All right, man, what powerful words in that song. You know, to sit here, you know, we're thinking, you know, we're looking at a video game. I was thinking is the, the, what a transition to go from that, that song, that, you know, that intensity to all of a sudden a video game. You know, and I'm like, man, what a, what a change. You know, what a, like, whoa, you know, what a, almost kind of put the brakes on. But what we're saying is there's no other name like that. And what I love is the power that's in the name of Christ. And no other name like that. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord one day. But that there's power in the name of Christ. There's power and authority in that name. And here's what I love is it gives us the ability to start over. You know, to have a second chance. You know, to have something different than what this world has to offer. And so if you've, if you've got your outlines, kind of follow along. But today we're talking about start over to the bonus life. I remember playing video games. It was always the coolest thing is if you could kind of do a certain thing or maybe accomplish a certain task in the game and you got a bonus life or bonus ball on a pinball, you know, pinball machine or something like that. But if anything was extra, it was like, dude, I get a little, I get an extra life or I get an extra playing time or I get whatever. And if you could hit bonus level, that was a big deal. And so I, I remember, you know, playing and that's what you were hoping for. And I think it was Galaga, I can't remember what it was, but it was one where the ship would come spinning in and it would line up beside and you had two ships. And you had, so you had two guns and you were blasting away all the, the things that were coming in. Anybody remember that? I mean, that was, that's kind of what you wanted, right? That's the only way you could defeat some of the levels. But what we do is we, we, want, we want the bonus life. But here's the thing. A lot of times we're not willing to do what it takes to get to that level. We want the bonus. We want whatever, you know, is there. But the thing is, is we're not willing sometimes to either give what it takes to get there or either give up what it takes to receive it. Sometimes we've got things in our hand and God is wanting to bless us and we don't want to put down what we have in our hand to receive what God has for us. And so there's a, there's a passage here that many of us are familiar with. It's John 10.10. 10. Uh, it says, The thief... Uh, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And so what, we talk about abundant life a lot of times. And I think, uh, you know, too often we, we say, well, the abundant life, you know, that's, that's one day, man, one day, one day. No, no, I think the abundant life is now for the believer. Uh, too often I think we, we think, well, one day I'm going to experience this abundant life that Jesus talked about. If you accept Christ, if you receive Jesus Christ, I believe that you receive abundant life the moment you surrender your life to Him. He, he, he literally fills you with the Holy Spirit. He seals you with the Holy Spirit. And so that abundant life begins then. You might think, well, Mike, we're living in this broken world. We've got all these things going on. But the thing is, is God is with us. He is in us. He is living through us. And so we're able to see life through a completely different lens than maybe we did the day before or the moment before. So let's, let's look at this passage again. All right, it says, The thief, that's Satan, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then Jesus gives this major contrast. He says, I have come that they may have life and they may have, have it more abundantly. And so Jesus is talking to the people. He is sharing with the people how they can be in right standing with God here and now. And, and then he said, hey, listen, and there's a day whenever all the world will respond and every knee will bow, every tongue confess. There's, there's going to be a day where everyone will understand what the message is and the truth is. And so when we look at that passage, we've got a, a major contrast there. Jesus was con contrasting what he offers with what the devil offers. And, and there's a, and I don't know if you guys remember, but years ago, Bill Bright had a, uh, you know, a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And it was a powerful ministry, reaching college campuses. 
And uh, we, I was just talking with a lady a few minutes ago upstairs, and we were talking about, our, you know, our kids that are in college age and, and how important it is to reach that age group. And I hope you understand as a church how important it is to reach our college-age students. Every age matters. Every age matters. You know, when we look over here, like, you know, uh, we've got a lot of construction and stuff going on over in our children's ministry. And children's ministry is so important because whenever you've got little ones that are at that young age, I think we know, you know, they're like sponges. They are soaking it up. Man, they're taking it in. And, and man, they are, they're making decisions at that age. It's childlike faith. I hope you all understand that. And so we need to do everything we can to encourage our children to put their faith in Christ. Don't ever think that, hey, you know, I don't want to pressure them into it. You ought to. You ought to do everything you can to persuade your child to put their faith in Christ and to live for Him. You know, don't play that dumb, silly game where you say, well, you know, I don't want it to be, you know, I don't want to pressure them. You need to pressure them. It's their decision. But do everything you can to persuade them to make that decision. So we have things going on in our children's ministry. There's a lot of construction going on over there. They're working on some, some atmosphere things, just trying to create an environment where those kids are going to have fun and they're going to hear the Word of God and they're going to respond in faith to Christ. And so they're going to grow up hearing and, te- you know, and learning that. Some of you guys, if you're looking for a place to serve, that's a great place to serve. You have to do a background check and everything, but we'd love to have you there. But then we have students. We have student ministry. Same thing. You have to have a background check. We want to know who you are before you point into kids. But it's a great place for kids to, they're beginning to figure out who they are and they're trying to understand their own identity. And some of them are struggling with self-esteem and trying to figure out, who, hey, who am I in Christ? And, and so we have that ministry, and it's an important ministry. But then you get into your college age and you get into your young adults. And here's the sad thing, church, and I hope you hear me on this, that many of those that age are walking away from the church. They're walking away from the church. And, and why? It's maybe because they were not grounded or founded. But the thing is, is I think too often it's what they're doing is they're, they're trying to figure out, hey, you know, what, what is truth? What is real? You know, am I just going through the motions? Am I just kind of doing church? Am I just kind of sitting there, singing a few songs, listening to some guy talk, and then go home and that's it? So they're looking for something more. So I think it's important for us to help them understand, you know, man, we, we need to do everything we can to reach that age group. And so Bill Bright had that incredible ministry where he was reaching these college-age students with truth and with a purpose. And, and so one of the things he, he created was the Four Spiritual Laws. It was a track that was used for years and years. And I don't know if you know what a gospel track is, but it's a little booklet. And you take that booklet and you, you walk someone through that booklet. And what you're doing is you're explaining the gospel. You're telling them how they can have a right relationship with Christ. Kind of like a cheat sheet. You know what I'm saying? Like a little cheat sheet. You walk them through that. And in, and in that, in that, uh, that uh, Four Spiritual Laws... It opens with a statement that says, God loves you and has a wonderful plan and purpose for your life. God has a wonderful plan and purpose for your life. And so here's the thing. What Bill Bright was doing is he was lining up with what Jesus says. Hey, listen, I've got a, I've got a, a purpose and a wonderful plan for your life. And what Jesus was contrasting there, he says, Satan has just the opposite. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you and your life, you and your witness, you, everything about you. Satan wants to destroy you. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. He doesn't have, you know, your, best, your family's best interest in mind. He wants to destroy you. And, and we talk about this as a staff often around here and even as elders. Is, you know what, we, we realize we are in a war. We have a battle. There is an enemy. And so it's just saying, hey, we're just going to muddle through life. We're just kind of going to do our thing. There is an attack that comes on a regular basis. And so we have to be prepared for the battle that comes. We're taught to put on the armor of God, the full armor of God. And so when we, when we look at... This abundant life. How do you get? How do you get this abundant life? I mean, what what is this abundant life? 
And so Jesus comes to give, not to get. I think that's one thing we need to get our mind around. Jesus comes to give, not to get. I can remember whenever I was weighing out my faith, and I was weighing out whether or not I wanted to give my Christ, my, my life to Christ, I can remember thinking, what is this going to cost me? If I, get, if I give my life to Christ, if I get saved, if I am born again, like we talked about last week, if I'm born again, I start kind of weighing it out. I'm like, I'm going to have to give up this, I'm going to have to give up this, I'm going to have to give up this. But let me just say this, and, and I hope you guys hear me on this. It was not what I gave up, it was what I got that mattered. I mean, I can remember thinking, hey, there's certain friends I probably don't need to hang out with anymore. You know what? That wasn't a bad thing. That was not a, lo- a real loss. Looking back, that was a gain. You know, that, you know I was going to, you know, certain things I was not going to be a part of anymore. And so t- for me, though, I was thinking, hey, what am I going to lose? And it wasn't what I lost, it was what I gained. And so what Jesus is saying, man, He comes to give, not to get. He comes to bless us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give. He wants to give us guidance. He wants to give us direction. He, he literally wants to, to work in us and through us. And so Jesus comes to give, not to get. So Jesus, Jesus offers life that is, number one, meaningful. Meaningful. You know, have you guys ever had a, a day where you, you worked really, really hard, and, uh, man, you were exhausted, but you were like, man, that's a good kind of tired. You ever had that? You ever, you ever done something for someone, or maybe, maybe you've been on a mission trip, and you've helped, some, you know, maybe build a house. Like, I can remember going to Mexico and... And we were building a house down there that was really, it was about the size of a shop or a shed. You know, most of you guys probably got bigger uh, storage buildings than what we built there. And uh, I can remember working in the heat, 100 and something degrees. You know, we do, doing everything we could, could to put wet towels on our necks and stuff. And, man, it was hot. But we were building this house, and the family was, you know, was watching. They would, they would watch us, and they would help with whatever they could help with. But there was going to be five families living in this little building. But the thing is, is they didn't have anything. And so we were working like crazy, you know, just really hot. But when you got to the end of the day, dude, it was a good kind of tired. Because here, here's the thing, we were working with meaning that day. And, and the, the restroom, you know, you, you're like, well, did y'all put a restroom in or a, a bathroom or anything? Nope. The restroom was over in the corner of the little bitty yard that they would have, and it was just a hole dug in the ground with a sheet kind of hung up on some limbs and stuff. So you went behind the sheet, and that was the, uh, that was the, the toilet for this home. But five families were going to be living in that, inside of that, which is crazy. And we were building one right across the street. So we had one on one side of the road on a little bit of piece of property, and then we, right across the street we were building another one. And, and so we, were, we had you know, these teams that were there. We were building on one side of the road, and we were building on the other. And, man, we, would, you know, we were, of course, a little bit of competition. Hey, we're going to finish our house before you guys finish your house. And... And then, and anyway, we just we had a blast. But we'd get home, and I mean, you are spent. But it was a good kind of tired. And I don't know if you, but you know, maybe you live life, and uh, hopefully you're living life with meaning. And so, you, when you get to the end of a day, you realize, you know what, man, I, it was a good kind of tired because I know why God has me here. I know what God has in store for me. I know what God wants to do in me and through me. And so a good kind of tired is whenever we are living with meaning. That we know that, you know what, I'm not just here to, to live and die and that be it. But I have, God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And that's the second one is purposeful. Jesus offers life that is purposeful. Jesus offers life that is pur- purposeful. You know why you're here. You know why you're here. You know, I, I, I think uh, too often we go through life and 
we don't know what we want to be. We don't know what we want to do for a career or whatever. But whenever we finally figure that out, it's like, man, Art, now I have purpose. But here's the thing is the Scriptures give us purpose all the time. If we look back at the Great Commission, we as a church, we have purpose. We are to be reaching those who are far from God, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're commissioned to do. So the church has purpose. That's the vision that Jesus gave the church. God says, hey, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the world through the church. And so the church has purpose. It's not just to get together and sing songs. It's not just to get together and raise hands to the Lord and then walk out of here and do nothing else. But if anything, we're to come together to celebrate what God has already done. And here's the thing, prepare for the week ahead and say, you know what? God, we have a purpose. And God, we want to be on, on mission for you this week. God, we want to make a difference in the lives of people. We want, to, we want to serve people. We want to wash their feet. And so God, help us to live with purpose. We know that as a church that we are to take the message of the gospel to our community. We don't just kind of rally together and have the holy huddle and hope that somebody shows up. We are to be on mission going after those who are far from God. I had someone this past week, we were sitting down and, and that we were talking about them, you know, being a part of the church and being a part of the staff. And, and one of the cool things is, you know, she said, you know, you got to remember, she goes, I hated the church. So she grew up going to church, hated the church, didn't want to be a part of the church, came one Sunday, heard the gospel, responded to Christ, gave her life to Christ, began to grow as a, as a Christian, as a baby Christian, still growing, will continue to grow until the day she dies. But she was like, you know what, I want to be a part of the church. I want to be a part of reaching people and helping people get assimilated into the body of Christ. She goes, you know, and, and I said, you know what, that's what the mission of Journey Church is all about. And so, I mean, that, that's like awesome to be able to see someone who hated church say, hey, you know what, I want to do everything I can to help people get plugged in and, pl- and a part of the body of Christ and find their place in the church. And the church has a responsibility and a purpose. And let me just say this, not only does the church, but you do, I do. God has a purpose for my life. He wants to work in me. He wants to work through me. He wants me to be a, a channel of blessing. He wants me to encourage people. He wants me to challenge people. He wants me to rebuke people. He wants me to love people. He wants me to love Him. And so when we live with purpose, man, there's just something different than just kind of going through the motions, kind of muddling around like, man, I don't know what to do, but hey, have focus and have purpose. Here's the third thing, joyful. Man, Jesus offers life that is joyful. You know, this past you know, week, some of you guys got to see uh, you know, the national championship game, and any Alabama fans probably wish that game was, uh, had, had not been played. You know, and so they, they got it handed to them. They, they you know, got, pretty much got the field mopped up with them. You know, and so what I love, though, is at the end when Dabo Sweeney, they're asking him, and, you know, and he, he gave one of the best, you know, after a game, post-game speech I've ever heard. You know, he was excited, but he was motivated. But he goes, you know, he said, joy. He said, Jesus, others, and you. And, and what he was saying, hey, listen, man, I try to live with that concept. You know, and, 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 I, and I, I'm an Alabama fan. I like to see Alabama win. But you know what? I like to see the kingdom win more than I do a football team. And so to hear that guy say that and to use that platform, it's like, you know what? You know, Coach Saban probably wouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know, now Tua would have and maybe Jalen Hurts would have. But, you know, that, that probably wasn't going to happen from Nick Saban. But to have Dabo stand there and say, hey, listen, it's about bigger things, more important things than a football game. But it's about loving people and taking care of these kids and leading these kids and investing in these kids. And I'm sitting there thinking, what if we all had that kind of mentality? You know, and they're playing for a trophy, that, you know, in a few years that really won't matter in the grand scheme of things. But here's the thing, we're, we're playing for something bigger than that. 
And so we've got meaning. We've got purpose. And here's the thing. We do it with joy. We focus on Jesus first. Man, we, we live a life that Jesus is at the forefront of our thinking in everything that we do. And so whenever the, anything happens, an opportunity arises, Jesus, what would Jesus do in this situation? Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, where, where do you want me to go? Jesus, do I take this job? Jesus, how can I have the greatest impact in this world for you? Jesus, I want to know. And so he starts first there. And then others, God, who can I minister to? Who can I help? Who can I encourage? Who can I serve today? And then we start going, you know, let's focus on me. Too often we've got it upside down. It's all about me, 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 me. What I want, when I want it, and how I feel. And we've got to be willing to say, you know what? I've got to be willing to crucify the flesh and die to self and live for Christ and live to make a difference in the lives of others. And that gives us joy. And so, you know, instead of, you know, muddling through life and feeling like, you know, man, there's no reason to get out of the bed today. There's no reason to get up and do anything. Yes, there is. There's plenty. We have the opportunity to proclaim Christ. We have the opportunity to serve Christ. We have the opportunity to share Christ. We have the opportunity to serve others. We have the opportunity to love on people and be a word of encouragement and a word of challenge that maybe they need to hear. Maybe they just need an arm put around and say, hey, man, I love you. Maybe they need a big old bear hug and say, hey, listen, I love you. Maybe they just need a handshake and say, man, I'm glad you're here. But the thing is, is we have to have that mentality that, man, when Christ comes in, man, it's not, it's not what I lose, it's what I get. Jesus comes to give, not to get. And then here's the last one, it's eternal. When, when, with Jesus, Jesus offers life that is eternal. It's everlasting. It's eternal. It starts here, but it lasts forever. It's a continuum that goes on and on and on and on. And so we realize, you know what, He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And so He is eternal. He dwells within the believer. And so whenever we choose life with Christ, we get eternal life. And so when we breathe our last, here's the thing, this body will break down. Uh, Karen and I were just upstairs with her girls, and we were, we were joking and kind of laughing around about how, how they're growing up. I remember Lacey crawling around my house, getting into everything. I was like, man, I feel like I need to put a leash on her, you know? I mean, but she was a little baby crawling all over the place, getting into everything. But Lacey, you know, is, is growing up. It's about to be in high school. And I'm sitting there going, like, dude, that don't seem right. And I told her, I said, hey, I still think of you as being like 9 or 10 years old right now. And then Melanie's sitting there going like, well, how old do you think I am? I said, I still think of you about being 4 or 5 years old right now. And so that's what we do. But here's the thing. We all grow older. We get older. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but one out of one people die. Y'all know that? That's a, that's a crazy stat, isn't it? Most of us will die of something. Some sooner than we thought. Some later than we thought. I've talked to a couple people this past week that, they, they, you know, they've got family members that are like 93 years old and 96 years old. And I'm thinking, dude, that is a long life. I don't know if I want to live that long. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not unless I've got good health and I can do what I want to do. You know, I, I don't want to live that long and it not be fun. You know what I'm saying? But so here's the thing is, I mean, so we will live a life and we will die a death. But for the believer, that's only the beginning. We're only here for a little while to learn how to love him more. And learn, learn how to, to literally worship Him in truth and in spirit. A while ago, we was upstairs. The, the praise team was coming onto the stage, and I was giving them high fives. I said, hey, man. I said, y'all have fun. I said, hey, listen, let's lead in truth and in spirit. And that's what we should do. And so we should be living a life that is led by us worshiping God in truth and in spirit by how we live. It's not just by how we sing. It's how we live a lifestyle of worship. And so that eternal life, Jesus never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is with us no matter what we're going through. So when we receive that abundant life, 
The moment we accept Him as Savior, we literally receive bonus life. And here's the thing. Grace is God's bonus life. God's grace. Grace is God's bonus life. If you've ever played a video game and you got the bonus, you kind of got, oh man, that's awesome. It felt good to kind of, hey, I, I, got, I got a little extra here. Let me tell you, it's way more than you could ever imagine. Grace means I get what God wants to give me, not what I deserve. Grace means that I, you know, I deserve hell, I deserve death, I deserve, I deserve to be separated from Him. I, I'm, I'm a sinful person, but because of God's amazing grace, He gives this bonus life. He says, Mike, He said, listen, if you'll confess your sins, you know, and, when I, and confession is me agreeing with God, this is sin, I have messed up, I have blown it. And so me agreeing with God, me confessing it to God, me coming clean, laying it on the table and saying, God, this is who I am, He covers it with His grace. And so grace is, is Him forgiving me, wiping away my sin. And so grace is the bonus life that we, that we seek. So the abundant life is eternal life, a life that, that begins the moment we come to Christ and receive Him as Savior and goes on throughout all eternity. Look at what it says here. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, full of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. Every one of us in here have, have, have sinned. The Bible makes it clear we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We have all missed it by a mile. You might think, well, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm, I might get No, 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 you've missed it by a mile. Just think about that. You know, a mile is a pretty good ways. And so whenever, uh, oftentimes we'll get to thinking that, hey, man, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good girl. I hadn't done this. I don't drink, smoke, chew, or d- date anybody that does or something like that, you know. And, and so we think, well, I'm a pretty good person. But, the, you know, pretty much the Bible says, hey, you listen, you don't even come close. Your greatest deeds are filthy rags. So to say, you know what, hey, I think I'm on target and to miss it by a mile, that's a lot. And so every one of us have messed up. So every one of us are in need of a Savior. And here's the thing, God offers that, that Savior opportunity because of His grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. There's nobody good enough. Nobody qualifies. It's God's grace. It says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth, John 17, 3. And this is the way to have eternal life. Which Eternal life is what? That's the bonus life, right? That's Grace is the bonus life. To know you and only the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. There's a statement here. It says, medical science seeks to add years to our lives, but only Jesus can add life to our years. Laurie's dad, I remember him saying one time, he said, you know, he said, I heard a guy say one time, he said, I, I spent my, all of my health trying to build wealth. He said, and then I spent all of my wealth trying to save my health. You know, he said, I, you know, I was willing to do whatever, to try to save money, to make money, to make money. He said, and the older I get, the more I spend on doctor visits and, you know, different things trying to keep my health. And so here's the thing. I'll just tell you this. These bodies are designed to break down. Isn't that, isn't that tough? It's kind of hard to hear. Isn't it? Some of you guys who work so hard at being in shape and stuff, your body is designed to eventually break down. God even says in His Word that, hey, you know what? Our days are numbered. There's only a certain amount that we will have. We're to make the most of uh, what we can with the days that we've been given. And so there will be a day that we will breathe our last. And we don't know if it's tomorrow. We don't know if it's 100 years from now. Well, most of it's probably not 100 years. It, it, it may be maybe some 10-year-olds in here that might make it. I don't know. But the thing is, is we, we know, you know what? Hey, it's, it's going to be a day. One day we'll breathe our last. And so will our life have mattered? And over the next couple of weeks, that's, that's probably what we're going to talk about, is leaving a legacy. 
leaving a legacy. But the thing is, what are you doing with the life that you've been given right now? Are we living in such a way that our life is making a difference? Maybe just ask yourself for a second. Just kind of, if, you know, if, you, if you're sitting there and you've got somebody around you holding a hand, just kind of maybe drop their hand for a second and just say, you know what, God, help me to ask myself this question. Am I living my life in such a way that my life is making a difference? Am I living with purpose, with meaning, with joy? Is eternity in my heart? And just ask yourself, am I living a life that is making a difference in the lives of others? I was talking with a couple yesterday. And they were sharing with me about whenever they go into certain restaurants and they know this person, they know this person, they always try to make them feel, you know, try to be friendly with them and make them feel welcome. And I said, y'all do that everywhere you go. And they said, well, we try to, Pastor Mike. And I said, well, here's the thing. I said, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're making a, a difference in someone's life. You're an influence in someone's life. And they said, well, we try to. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're trying and you're doing it. And so let me ask you, are you trying to make a difference in someone's life? Are you trying to share Christ with how you live and how you treat people? Are you trying to see the best in people? Are you trying at all to be all that Christ wants you to be? And you might say, well, you know, I try, but I keep failing, I keep messing up. Are you leaning into Christ and asking Christ to work in you, to work through you, to give you what you need? And the thing is, is are you living a life? Are you living this bonus life? I'm talking to the believer. Are you living this bonus life in a way that you are making a difference in the lives of the people around you? Because we're all called to that. You know, we all want this fullness. We want to... We, we, want, we want it all, I guess you could say. I won't ever forget years ago, there was a commercial, and I cannot remember if it was uh, Captain D's or which one, whichever one it was, and it shows this guy on this pier, and he's, he's fishing, and he's got like all kinds of rods out, and, and a guy walks up, and he goes, what, what, are you, what are you fishing for? He goes, I want it all. He's going, I mean, I want it all. And, and so he's got like tons of rod and reels out. He goes, I want it all. And that really ought to be our mentality. I want all that God has for me. I want I want fullness. I want, I want the full amount that God wants to give me. And because here's the thing, you might say, well, that sounds greedy. No, 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 no. You want all of God's blessings. You want to be a channel of blessing. You want God to feel like, you know what? Hey, He, he enjoys my time. He enjoys my blessings. He enjoys my gifts. And so look at what it says here, though. It says, the love of Christ is what brings fullness of life. If you want a full, meaningful life, listen to this. When I think of all this, this is, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Let's pause there for just a second. Think about what he just said. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. And he, what are you saying? Hey, listen, man. When I hit certain things, man, I just fall down on my knees. When was the last time you got on your knees and prayed? When was the last time you got on your knees before God and just prayed? Or is it just kind of in passing, like, hey, God, I hope you will bless this test i got to take today. God, I hope you'll make my boss sick today because I don't want to have to see him today. You know, or what, you know, what is your prayer life like? Do you, do you fall on your knees before God? But look at what he says. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, you might want to underline that, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. It's by faith that we trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand 
as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, we ought to ask for everything. Let His work work in us. Let His work work through us. It's not what I bring to the table. It's what God brings to the table through us. It's not what you bring to You might say, well, I've got this and I've got that. God will take what you have and He'll do incredible things with it. I had an old redneck friend of mine who used to always say, he said, man, God can make a, a silk purse out of a sow's ear. I'm like, what in his, where did that come from? But that was his mentality. He goes, God can do anything. And so what I'm saying is, you know, a lot of times we're going, well, I don't really bring anything to the table. God doesn't need what you bring. He just needs your heart. He needs you to be willing to say, God, here I am. And then there's some of us that we go, you know, God really needs me because I can really sing. I can really teach. Man, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at that. God doesn't need you either. But what here's the thing. He wants you. He loves you. He wants to work in you and through you. And here's the thing is, you become the vessel that becomes a, ble- a vessel of blessing in the lives of the people around you. And, you know, and, and like when I read that passage, that last part there, I think it's verse 19. It says, may, 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 you, may you understand fully, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is great, too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, I, I want the power of God at work in me. Not for me, but for His kingdom. I, you know, I, I don't want to be able to do things and say, man, look at me. But I do want to say, I'll be able to do things and say, man, look at Christ. I do want to make a difference. I do want to be able to teach. I do want to be able to equip. I do want to be able to prepare people for the works of ministry and then say, look at Christ. And so I think for every one of us, whatever we are called to do, whatever we are equipped to do, then we go, God, I want you to work in me. And God, not so that I can brag on me, but God, I want to be able to say, brag on, Je- brag on Jesus. I want it to be about Christ. And so whenever we get to that point where it's not about me, it's not what I bring to the table, but Jesus is what you do in me and you do through me. I want you to be glorified. And when he talks about, man, more than we could ever ask or imagine, I've always told people, man, I, I, you know, I have a pretty good imagination. I imagine pretty big things. I imagine big, dynamic things. And so whenever it says, hey, more than you could ask or imagine, I'm sitting there going like, you know, God, I don't know, man. I, I got a lot in my mind here. But it, here's the thing. It's, it's God is able to do more than I could ever bring to the table. Now, let me just say this. When we look at this, talk about this fullness of life, there's a couple of things I want to be clear here. There's, there's no mention of the length of days of your life. I just saw uh, last night or either this morning where Joe Gibbs' son died. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing and Joe Gibbs, who coached the uh, the Washington Redskins, his son died at 49 years of age. And I'm thinking, man, that's young. He had some kind of neurological disease and, and anyway died, breathed his last. You know, Joe Gibbs is an is a outspoken believer, uh, Christian uh, guy. But here, here's what I'm saying is we don't know the length of our days. We don't know how long we'll live. And so there's no mention of length of days. There's no, no mention of health. You know, Paul said, hey, I have this, this thorn in my flesh. There's this issue that I keep asking God to take away, but he has not, not yet done that. There's no, there's no mention of prosperity. 
You know, I know, I know in this day and age, there's a lot of prosperity preaching that, hey, man, if you'll just tithe, God's going to give you this. Or, if, hey, if you'll serve in the church or if you'll believe God, He's going to give you this kind of car or this kind of house. There's nowhere in the Scriptures that it teaches that. Do I believe in the favor of God? Yes, but not in prosperity preaching. Let's be clear. I mean, Jesus said, this, you know, the Son of Man does not even have anywhere to lay down His head. And if God is going to bless anybody, I would think it would be the person of Jesus Christ but he says, man, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have anywhere to lay his head down. You know, he didn't even have a, he didn't even have a souped-up chariot to get around. He walked everywhere. And so what I'm saying is too often we, we, we buy into this, this, this prosperity preaching or teaching, and people go, you know, hey, man, that's what I want. I want more stuff. Well, I don't know if you realize, but if you make more money, you've got to pay more taxes. If you get more stuff, you've got to have more places to store it, right? And so it's kind of a, a lose-lose situation in some ways. But there's no promise of prosperity when it, and when the Scripture talks about the fullness of life here. It doesn't even talk about family or an occupation. And I think sometimes we think, well, if I get my life right with Christ, then this will happen or this will happen. That's not exactly what we're told. It says we will become, we'll grow in our understanding of who God is. We'll understand His love. We'll understand His purpose. We'll understand the meaning of life. That's the last part here. We get the bonus life through grace. But look at what it says here. The Holy Spirit produces a fruitful and fulfilling life. You know, we've talked about being purposeful, meaningful. You know, and, and so here's the thing. We want to see the fruits. The fruit, it means, hey, it's producing. You know, there's a passage in the Scriptures where Jesus is walking along and he, he stops at a fig tree and there's no fruit on that fig tree and he curses it. And they walk by and, the, you know, the guys go on and I'm sure the disciples look at each other like, dude, he was mad, man. That fig tree, you know, that, you know just... Should have had some fruit on it. Anyway, they come back by and it's already withered and gone. They're like, you know, hey, let's get into a dialogue. And so what, what, what's, what's going on here is Jesus expects there to be fruit in our life. And for some of you guys, I mean, you've been believers for a long, long, long time. Is there any fruit in your life? And some of you guys say, man, I got saved when I was 12 years old. You're 35, 45. What, what fruit has been produced in your life? Do the people around you, does your husband, do your wife, do they see the fruit of, of God working in you on a regular basis? Do your children see, man, my mom is in love with Christ, my dad is in love with Christ. Do they see any fruit? Let me ask you this. We're all, as a church, called to make disciples. Who are you discipling? See, that's fruit. You know, let me ask you this. Who are you investing in? Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who are you producing fruit for the kingdom? You might say, well, well, Mike, I can't save anybody. I agree, you can't, I can't either. Jesus is the only one that can save them. But we do have a responsibility to, to work the garden. We have a responsibility to share our faith. And so let's look at the, the fruits of the Spirit here. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. All right, so here, here's what I would say right here. Most of us, if we were to look at that list, we would say, man, dude, that's a, that's a good life right there. Let's read it again. But the fruit, the fruit of our lives is in our lives is this, is love. Man, everybody wants to experience love. Everybody wants to experience love. They want to be on the receiving end, and some of them want to be able to give love. Peace. Man, who doesn't want peace in your life? Peace that passes understanding. Peace that no matter what is going on in this world, and right now it seems like it's crazy. Peace. Patience? We all want to be patient, I think, don't we? You know, I'm not sure sometimes. I, you know, because patience is one I have to constantly work at. 
But the thing is, what if we were really patient, slow-suffering, you know, long-suffering, if you would, slow to get angry. But the thing is, is patience. Man, in other words, you can be patient. You don't get, you know, nothing bothers you. You know, you could pull up at the bank line and every other line would be finished except for yours and you'd be okay with that. Can you imagine what that would be like? It doesn't matter what line I pull in, they all finish, it seems like, before me anyway. So I, I should be okay with that. But the patience. And then look at the next one. Kindness. That you are known as a kind person. That you're, you're, The quality of your life is kindness. Goodness. Man, you're a good person. People want to be around you. That You know, if... If you were a young man you wanted to date their daughter, be like, hey, man, I would love for you to date my daughter. Or, or vice versa. I mean, it's just a good, you know, you, hey, man, I want to be around that person. I'd love for them to be a part of our family. You know, but there's goodness there. They look for the good in people. They do good. They make a difference. Faithfulness, they can be counted on. Their word literally means something. They show up for work on time, maybe even five minutes early. How cool would that be? If you're a boss, you're like, man, that would be amazing. If you're an employee, you're thinking, man, I don't know so much about that. But faithfulness, you're faithful to do what you say you're going to do. Gentleness, you're, you're gentle. You're not harsh and mean and mean-spirited, but you're gentle. Self-control. Everything else doesn't tell you what to do or cause you to do certain things, but you have self-control. You have given that to Christ, and Christ has given you the authority and the power to be able to say no and let it mean it. There's no law against these things. It says those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So let me ask you, do you have any of those fruits in your life? Are you being led by God's Spirit? Even now, do you feel like quickening in your spirit? Whenever you read that passage, you get excited, or here's the other thing, you feel conviction. You go, you know what, I am not gentle, I am not patient, I am not kind, I am not, whatever it might be. And you sit there and you go, you know what, I feel conviction. Thank God that the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction. But here's the other thing, is oftentimes when we read a passage, I know for me, I can read a passage, I get chills all over, I just feel the, the Holy Spirit going, man, that's truth, that is God's Word, you need to claim that, Mike. And so maybe there's something today that resonates with you and you go, man, man, I feel the Holy Spirit literally drawing me close and saying, that is what you needed to hear that word is for you. Let's look at next steps. Too often, I think sometimes we hear something, we go, man, that's good, but we never take the next step. Here's the next step today. To realize God has a wonderful plan for my life. You may be here today and you, don't, you feel like, you know, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what my, uh, my next job's going to be. I don't even have a job. But here's the thing is God has a wonderful plan for your life. Admit, you know, here's the thing. Embrace that and realize that God has a plan for my life. God is not done with me. You know, I, I may feel like I am wondering. I may feel like I am walking in circles. But you know what? God has a plan for my life. And by faith, I claim that today. I claim it today. That God has a plan for my life. He has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for me. He wants to work in me. He wants to work through me. He has called me. He has commissioned me. He has empowered me. He has, he has literally empowered me with the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And He wants to produce fruit in my life. So to realize God has a wonderful plan for my life and Satan wants to destroy me. So why would I choose anything that he throws in front of me? Why would I bow down to the temptations whenever I can choose life that is joyful, meaningful, purposeful, eternal? Here's the second step. To receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. 
You've never received Jesus. You've never made that decision. You've been in church maybe your whole life. Maybe just been real religious. Or maybe just been real busy on Sunday for no reason at all. But maybe today you realize, you know what, man, I need Christ. I need, I, need, I need Jesus in me. I want to be filled with joy. I want to have meaning and purpose. And maybe for you today you go, you know what, Christ, will you come and will you live within me? And His desire is to save you, to change you, to fulfill you. And here's the thing. It's to fill you with His Spirit. To lead you, to guide you, to work in you and through you. So why would you not choose Him today? Why would you not put your faith in Christ for salvation? And then look at this next one. It says, to seek those things revealed by God in Scripture that will last forever and that will make this life meaningful and fulfilled. That's for you whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. Maybe, maybe you, you read that and you go, you know what, I'm going to start searching the Scriptures. And I'm going to find purpose. Because God's Word reveals this is the purpose that He has for me. Just like He has a purpose for the church. He has a purpose for me. And so maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ. If you've never been saved. If you've never been born again. Remember Jesus said you must be born again. If you've never been born again, then what's keeping that from being your decision today? Would you make that decision today? I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and this is a personal decision. It's an individual decision. You, nobody can make it for you. I wish I could. I wish I could make it for you. But if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, but you go, Mike, man, I want to receive Jesus. I don't, I don't have purpose. I don't have meaning. I don't, I don't feel like I have any direction. But man, I, I, I want it. And so Mike, I want to give my life to Christ today. I want, I, want to, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. And so if that's you, I want, I want to ask you, if you would, would you be willing to just say, hey, listen, right now, I want, to, I want to put my faith in Christ. Mike, will you lead me? And I want to lead you through a simple prayer. But it's not this prayer that does it as much as it is the surrender of your heart. It's the surrender of of your heart. It's the opening of your heart. It's the receiving of the gift of life that takes place. It's at the core of who you are. So right where you're at, just by faith, it's the only way you can be saved. You can't earn it. You're not good enough. Neither am I. But right where you're at, just say, Jesus, Jesus, will you come in and save me? Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I have blown it. I confess that to you. I want to come clean. I lay everything on the table. I have, I, have, I have blown it. I have sinned against you. And I am lonely. I am drifting. I have no purpose. I have no meaning in life right now. And I desire that, Jesus. Will you bring that into my life? And his answer is yes. And so with all the faith that you have, say, Jesus, will you come and live within me? Will you change me? Will you save me? Will you redeem me? Will you step in and take over by faith, I give you everything. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to ask you if you would just to raise your hand. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, I prayed that prayer with you. Anybody in the room? It takes courage to raise your hand. Anybody in the room? Just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed with you. I see your hand back here in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. Everybody keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Just keep praying. Back here in the back, if you, if you prayed that prayer, look up here at me. I just want you to understand this. If you put your faith in Christ, 
you've asked Him to come and live within you, then He comes. It's by faith. If you open the door, the Bible says that He will come and He will sit down and He will do life with you. Does that make sense? And so it's by faith you're saved. It's not by works. And here's the other thing. Whom God holds in His hand, no one can snatch away. No one can snatch Him away. And so you become a child of God. Here's the crazy thing is when we're born into this life, and like I said, we will die one day, but when we're born into this life, we're a creation of God. But when you put your faith in Christ, and if you did that today, you become a child of God, part of His family, adopted into His family. It's not something you have to do over and over again. You have been born again, is what Scripture says. And so I'll, I would love for you, if you would, to, we've got a team back there in the back at the VIP room, would love to meet with you and put a Bible in your hand and pray with you and encourage you with those next steps. I'm proud of you. And let me just say this, that's the reason we plan the Journey Church. There's many others in this room that... Man, you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you're a believer already. But let me ask you this. Are you living with purpose? Are you living with meaning? Are you living in a way that your life is making a difference in the lives of others? Because you're called to that. We're all called to live a life of purpose. Are you living in such a way that the people around you, your coworkers, know that you're a believer? Are you living in such a way that the people around you know that, you know what, you serve Christ? Are you too focused on a career? Are you too focused on a paycheck? That, you know what, you don't want to compromise that so you don't do anything that sets you apart. But Jesus said, hey, listen, trust me and I will take care of you. Focus on the kingdom first. Father, I pray that we would live with purpose this week, with meaning. And God, I do thank you for your grace. God, that it gives us eternal life. Not just another life or a game or something like that, but God, something that lasts forever. That can never be taken away. God, thank you for loving us, thank you for blessing us, and thank you for your word, your truth. God, thank you for your presence in our life. In Jesus' name.